You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. All right there, Hollywood. Looks like a great time to drop in a little bit of a bonus episode here. What do you think? Sounds good to me. We saw a couple of shows, so we want to talk about them, right? Yeah, we've seen two or three shows in between both of us and uh, figured we'd shoot the shit about that. I know you wanted to uh, talk about your little trip to Indianapolis for the KISS Expo, and then you were fortunate enough to see the Sammy Hagar Circle Show, right? Yeah, yeah. And I figured uh, let's talk about yours first because yours are a little more interesting because uh, I don't really <laughs> know what the Schenker Fest thing is. Uh, of course, I know who Dennis DeYoung is, but he's still out there. Yeah, man. So let's talk about Michael Schenkerfest. My wife and I went to see Michael Schenkerfest last week, and we met up with uh, our friend Kevin Williams. Kevin Williams, some of the listeners may know from the Saxon episode that I did with Kevin and uh, Brad. Kevin's just a friend of both of our shows, actually, Podcast Rock City and, uh, and Growing Up Rock. So Kevin's a cool dude, lives here in Atlanta, and we met up and went and checked out Michael Schenkerfest. Uh, we played MSG and Michael Schenker before on the show, and if you listen to our live episode, that Michael Schenker live at Budokan was an early influence for me growing up as a kid. That's kind of where I discovered Michael Schenker and UFO and all those things. And he's an amazing guitar player and he's sober now and he's been sober for a while. And he has this festival going on where he's going out and he's going out with three of the original singers that he's had with him. Graham Bonnet, who everybody knows. Graham's played with Ingve and Alcatraz. He was the singer in Alcatraz. He's been in Rainbow. Can you believe it? This guy has played with Ingve, Steve Vai, Richie Blackmore, and Michael Schenker. What does that say about him as a singer? Yeah, I'm, he's obviously talented. His voice, I've not always been in love with this voice. You know, I don't have a problem with his voice. I don't, you know, he's not necessarily my favorite singer, but he's done a lot of material that I liked. I mean, I liked a lot of the Alcatraz stuff and uh, loved some of the Rainbow stuff that he's done. So I don't really have a problem with him. I don't know if he's at the top of my list, but, you know, he had Graham Bonnet out with him. He had Gary Barton out with him and Gary Barton was on the live at Budokan record. He was the singer of my early Michael Schenker influences. And then he had Robin McCauley out on the road with him from McCauley Schenker, right? Dude, get this shit. He plays for three hours straight and he just rolls the guys in and out. He has them come out individually. He has them come out together and do songs. Really freaking well done. Even my wife who, I mean, you would never think my wife would be like Michael Schenker. She doesn't care about stuff like that. But even my wife was like, man, this is really impressive, really well done. Her favorite singer of the night was Robin McCauley. No surprise there. He's definitely the one out of all three of them that sounded the best. I also suspect that he's the youngest of all three of them as well. Yeah, that would be my guess. And he's my favorite. And the Macaulay Schenker stuff I liked better than the Michael Schenker stuff. And I think it was because of Robin. And I, it's not Schenker plays any different because he rips no matter what he does. It's the vocal melodies that Robin was doing seemed to connect better. Yeah, they all produced stuff that was stuff I loved, especially Gary Barden producing all the stuff that was off that live Budokan on and on and stuff like that, Attack of the Mad Axemen. I loved all that stuff. And Graham Bonnet's done some good stuff like Assault Attack and a few things. Dancer is a really good tune, some stuff like that. And then Robin McCauley has also done great stuff off of the McCauley Schinker projects. And then somebody I didn't mention, I forgot, there's actually, he's got a fourth singer with him, Doogie White, who is on a lot of the current, like uh, he put out an album that was... Michael Schenker's Temple of Rock album, and then he did this Michael Schenker Fest 
where he has all the singers doing songs on this record. And there's some really good material on there. But Doogie White, who I'm guessing is the youngest out of all the singers, he's pretty impressive too. He sounded really good. He came out and I was like, the first thing he does, he doesn't come out for the first part of the show, but he eventually, he appears out on stage with the rest of them and he was sitting on a drum riser and I looked at my wife and I was like, that dude wearing a dress? Because <laughs> I couldn't really tell from where we were sitting. I was just like, eh, it looks like that dude's wearing a dress. And then it dawned on me, well, it's not a dress. It was a kilt, like a Scottish kilt is what it was. Because, you know, he had on the uh, the little bag thing that goes on the side of it or whatever. But he had his own style, his own thing going on. But, you know, really good vocals. To me, they just, they sounded amazing. I mean, we paid 40, 40 or 45 bucks for the tickets each, and there's no opening act, nothing. The guy plays for three hours straight, and he plays all kinds of stuff that cover his entire career. He opens up with Holiday from the Scorpions. He plays Holiday from the Scorpions. He plays Coast to Coast from the Scorpions. He plays a ton of Michael Schenker stuff, obviously, and he plays a pretty good bit of UFO stuff as well. Dude, some of the UFO stuff he did was fantastic. Yeah, I think, wasn't Doogie White in UFO for a while? I don't think so. I mean, it's always been Phil Moog as as far as I know. Yeah, I'm not positive. So I don't know much about that Doogie White guy, but I don't think he was ever in UFO. How big of a venue? Um, 500 to 800 seats, a really nice little theater. It was fairly attended. I wouldn't say it was greatly attended. It it was also not empty. I mean, it was a reasonable crowd and there were diehards there. I mean, they're definitely the people that go out on a weeknight to see Michael Schenker or diehards. It was great, man. The only weird thing about the way he starts the show He comes out to an intro tape just like normal and all that would be well if he launched into a song, but he doesn't. He comes out, he gets on the mic, and he essentially starts delivering news (laughs) on the mic. He talks about Ted McKenna dying recently and the guy, one of the guitar players in UFO, guitar player, I think, died recently. And so he starts off the concert talking about this stuff, and it's kind of a bummer. (laughs) Me and Kevin Williams are looking at each other, and we're like, what? (laughs) That is a little weird. So it was just a little bit weird. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. He was having a conversation, and you can tell some of the things he said, there's no love lost between him and Rudy Schenker. I knew that they were not seeing eye to eye, but... He tells a story that he's told on some different interviews before where, you know, basically uh, Rudy asked him to give him the composition of this song and that song. And then Rudy took full credit for it and didn't give him any credit for it and stuff like that. And he just basically paints a picture of Rudy being a shyster and a scam artist essentially <laughs> you know yeah so. i didn't know i didn't know the story because i know that shanker was out of scorpions before scorpions really hit the mainstream huh yeah because he was he was i think the initial guitar player in the scorpions if i remember correctly and i think maybe he was on one record or something like that one of the first records uh before they got uli roth i think was the next guy to come in but he also came back. They bought Michael Schenker back to help with the recording of Love Drive, which is when supposedly he wrote Holiday and the instrumental Coast to Coast and gave them to Rudy, and Rudy didn't give him any credit for it. You know, because Holiday ended up being a pretty big song for them. That was one of the initial big songs for them early on uh, when they were breaking America. Love Drive, Animal Magnetism, Blackout, that period of time. Yeah, that that sucks. When you can't trust family, that makes it tough. Right? Exactly. But all in all, man, if anybody has the opportunity to go see Michael Schenker Fest, even if you don't know a ton about it, 
I encourage you to go check it out because he's an amazing guitar player. I think the songs are awesome. There's a lot of great rock and roll, a full night of rock and roll, three hours, just phenomenal. I mean, me and Kevin were just like on cloud nine uh, after that show. I even bought myself a concert shirt. <laughs> wow. Yeah, right? <laughs> in the parking lot, you paid the guy five bucks or like the real thing? <laughs> no, I actually paid the real deal.
right, so how about you? Well, I thought we were going to talk about Dennis DeYoung. Well, you don't want to talk about any of your uh, trips? Uh, yeah, well, let's talk about Dennis DeYoung first, and then we'll get to mine. Ah, I, you know, well, are we saving the best for last? Well, no, nothing like that. Just, you know, because I'm really <laughs> interested in Dennis DeYoung, because I, I like some of the stuff that he did with Sticks. I actually like that first solo album. I, I really like Desert Moon. Yeah, you know, he's supposed to play that, but he didn't play it, actually, Desert Moon. But so here's the thing. We went and saw Schenkerfest on Thursday night, and Dennis DeYoung was on Friday night. And I have a friend of mine that's a pretty big Sticks fan, an early Sticks fan. So I said, hey, I said, Dennis DeYoung is coming to this amphitheater down south side of town. And the amphitheater is cool because it's really small. It's like a tiny amphitheater. You can bring food and booze in with you. But it's south side of town. And on a Friday afternoon, that's really, it's an hour and a half, two hour drive. But tickets were reasonable. Tickets were 40 bucks. And I went out and I YouTubed a little bit because I wanted to see what I was getting myself into. And I was like, wow, this sounds really great. I'm like, okay, I'm in. So I hooked up with this buddy of mine and Jen, of course, she tagged along. And uh, so we hopped in the car and we headed down south of the city, bought a picnic, bought a cooler full of food and wine and stuff like that. Went down, got in there, no opening act. It was just Dennis DeYoung, a night, an evening with Dennis DeYoung. And they billed it as the Grand Illusion 40th Anniversary Tour. So Dennis DeYoung was doing the grand illusion from start to finish the album. And then he was going to, on top of that, he was going to play a handful of sticks hits after that. So I was like, okay, well, that's cool. So Friday morning I got up and I decided while I was cleaning the house, I'm like, you know what? I don't listen to a whole lot of albums front to back, but I'm going to listen to grand illusion because I hadn't listened to that album in forever. So I'm like, I'm going to put that on in the background and listen to that while I clean. And it's short, man. That record's like 35 minutes long, something like that. It's really a short record because, you know, back in those days, they were short. I think that record came out in 1972 or 76, might be 76. I can't remember which. Just, it's a great record. I mean, have you ever listened to that record front to back? I don't know when the last time was that I heard that one front to back. Yeah, but you've heard it, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if not, I know you've heard some of the songs off of it, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good record. Uh, The surprise for me were the two or three tunes that you don't hear all the time that I kind of forgot about. And I was like, you know what? I really like this song. It's a good song. So after that, I was kind of looking forward to hearing it. I was like, all right, well, I can deal with this. And then I looked at some of the other set list stuff that he was playing. I was like, all right, great. But we got there. We checked it out. He came out. He goes, I'm not going to do a whole lot of talking for this first set. We're going to play the album front to back. And I'm basically not going to talk in between songs because we want it to be just as if you're listening to the album.
That's exactly what he did. I mean, he he started up the beginning of the album and played it from front to back. Said, "All right, that's it. I'm gonna take. We're gonna go backstage. We're gonna take a, a break. We'll come back out. We'll play some uh, some classics for you." But man, dude, that band, the guy that he's got doing the Tommy Shaw parts, both the guitar players, his wife sings backups, and then. Both guitar players and the bass player all sing. I mean, everybody sings in the band, essentially. Everybody sings in the band. The drummer he's got is amazing. He plays keyboards, but then he's got a separate keyboard player. So he's got the two guitar players, the bass player and his wife that kind of just sit back in the back and and play and, and do their thing. But up front on the front of the stage, it was Dennis and the two guitar players. And they're moving around. But one thing came really, really clear to me. Dennis sounded great. Don't get me wrong. My earliest memories of Sticks are Dennis DeYoung. I came in somewhere around Paradise Theater on Sticks, and I'm a big Sticks fan. But one thing came really clear while I was watching this concert is that Dennis DeYoung can never go back to Sticks. And here's why not because he can't play not because he can't sing. It's because his actions on stage are really, really, really hokey and really funny. I mean, <laughs> dude, I was laughing so many times. We were just looking at each other, dying laughing because some of his dance moves and stuff, we were just kind of like, oh my God, did he just do that? And we were like, okay, because we've seen the latest version of Sticks, which they're amazing right now. They're playing at their peak. We've seen the latest version of Sticks, and we've seen Dennis DeYoung now recently. Sticks right now is a pretty cool rock band. The version of Sticks right now with Lawrence Gowan, they're just a good rock band. There's really nothing hokey about them. They come out, they bust out the tunes, they sound great, they look pretty cool. It is what it is. If Dennis DeYoung was to go back to that band, they would probably sound great, no doubt about it, but there would be this level of cheesy hokiness that I know damn good and well Tommy Shaw and James Young want to have nothing to do with. Well, that was the problem to begin with, right? Because Dennis was making it more musical theater than rock band. And that was always the push and pull for those three guys. I just think JY and Dennis DeYoung just have a lot of bad blood. There's been a power struggle there between the two of them forever and a day. The other thing that's interesting to me is Dennis didn't sing all the songs on Grand Illusion. So he sang the two Shaw songs and the JY song? No, no. The two guitar players that he has, all three of those guys did singing. So Dennis didn't sing lead on every song that was played for the night? No, Dennis did oh. the songs that Dennis does. And when it was time for a JY song or a Tommy song, the two guitar players stepped up and did their part. 
and they sounded amazing. Don't get me wrong. Cause I mean, listen, I was hugely skeptical because Tommy Shaw has a voice that cannot be just replaced. Tommy is not an ordinary singer. He's so he's got such a high voice. The way they worked it out, so this guitar player doesn't necessarily sound like Tommy, but he does the songs justice. I mean, he sounds great when he's singing them. The two guitar players are probably a lot younger. It reminded me the same as when Gene Simmons and Ace Fraley go out and get some young hungry guys like the Rock and Roll Residency to back them up and they sound amazing as a band. That kind of is what reminds me of what Dennis DeYoung did. He went out and got these two guitar slingers that sing and play guitar and run around on the stage all day long, and they're amazing. The rest of the band is amazing, too. The drummer was killer. It made them awesome as a band. Does that make sense? Totally, totally. Yeah. You know, whenever it was a JY song or Tommy song, the guitar players did it, and then the Dennis songs, Dennis did and what they did to replace Tommy's high-ass background vocals is Dennis DeYoung's wife covered those high parts because she's a woman. <laughs> so, she, so she can hit those higher notes probably a lot easier than a man. Yeah, that don't always work. Have you heard Lita or Joan Jett or... Well, no, but it worked in this case and, and the background vocals sounded great and the regular vocals sounded great. I, I put it this way. I was uh, 100% uh, happy with the two nights of rock and roll that I had, both myself, my wife and my friend. We were all like, man, doesn't get any better than this. A night of sticks one night and a night of uh, UFO and Michael Schenker the night before. I had a good... Uh, Good two days of rock and roll going into the weekend for sure. Well, that's cool. All right. So I got to see kind of two separate shows. Uh, the Indie Expo has a combination of things, but mine were what, three weeks apart, three and a half weeks apart. Yeah. So first show I saw Sammy Hagar, the circle stone Fox is open. They were fine. I went with my son, so he's never seen Sammy before. What is stone foxes? They're like, um, God, they almost like alt pop rock. Like people say they're the rival sons. I don't think that they're as good as the rival sons because they're not as gritty. Uh huh. They're probably somewhere between Matchbox 20 and the rival sons. They're hard to explain. Hmm. They're a national act? Oh, yeah. They're a national okay. act. Never heard of them. Yeah. And then the second band was Don Felder. And I'll tell you, I don't know anything about Don Felder. Honestly, I need He's to great. watch. I'm finally going to download the Eagles documentary and actually watch it because i really don't know anything about don felder dude you're gonna love it and first of all he can sing he's got a young band that's rocking it out there man he did every eagles hit i know probably he yep. did it and he did it well yep <laughs> uh sounded great great energy the crowd was really into it it was like the perfect setup for sammy coming on stage and you know, the circle's got so much to choose from, it's beyond ridiculous. So they do, you know, part Zeppelin, part Sammy Hagar and the Wabaritas, part his solo stuff, part Van Halen, kind of Michael Anthony doing the back of vocals. You got the new they did I think they did a chicken foot song. They've got new stuff with the circle. So and Sammy, it's unbelievable. That the Sammies of the world, the Mick Jaggers of the world, the Alice Coopers of the world, like how they are still going at the age they are is unbelievable to me.
ask you, have you had an opportunity to listen to that new Circle record yet? I have, and it drags a bit. Yeah, and, okay. And live, it dragged a little to me, too. He says it's a concept record, and I'd rather just have rock and roll, honestly. But, you know, yeah. Sammy is the artist, so, you know, who who are we to judge? But it doesn't have the same rock and roll that, like, Chickenfoot has. That's for sure. Okay. I was interested to get your opinion because I obviously I shared mine with you and that's exactly how I felt. Yeah. I felt the exact same way. I like a lot of the solo Sammy stuff way better and chicken foot. Obviously I like that first chicken foot quite a bit, but yeah, this didn't do it for me. Yeah. And you know, Sammy worldwide, there's no doubt people know who Hagar is, but to see him in his backyard where he can go home that night and sleep in his own bed in Northern California there's just this energy in the air at the Conquer Pavilion when he plays there because, you know, he just, there's so much history with Sammy playing in California and Sammy being from there. Yeah. Is that where you saw the show? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it was a great show. There was no doubt. It was cold as hell because uh, Conquer Pavilion is the seats are covered with the roof, but then there's lawn, probably seats. I'm going to guess 7,000. I don't know for sure. It was a packed night, that's for sure. It was the day before Easter, and yeah. he still sold it, you know. So, and man, they sounded great. They really did. And my son loved it. Yeah. What'd they open with? Uh, damn it. I can't remember. I don't What'd remember. What'd they close with? So they did One Way to Rock, and I Can't Drive 55 near the end. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But yeah, great show. Great show. Yeah. Don Felder, man. Don Felder's awesome. You're going to enjoy that documentary. Even, even if you're not a huge Eagles fan, that documentary is unbelievable. Such great footage in that documentary and such personal footage backstage with, with some of those guys when they were in their prime, man. It's really an uh, interesting watch. And uh, Don Felder, when I saw him do... Uh, his solo thing and he did all the Eagles things. I mean, he sounded amazing. And so I know exactly what you're saying. And here's an interesting tidbit. Do you know that he uh, taught a very young Tom Petty guitar lessons down in Gainesville, Florida? Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting, huh? He worked at a guitar store or something. I don't know. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, All right. Kiss Indie Expo. So the Expo... They kind of had this like platinum thing on Friday night and then full day expo on Saturday and full day on Sunday. And if you buy the VIP pass, you get to come in early and do some of the things. Otherwise it opens to the public like at noonish, two o'clock ish, somewhere in there. Yeah. You know, you get photo ops with Tommy Thayer, Bruce Kulik. Tommy was there both days. Bruce came in Sunday. Karabi came in Sunday. Lita Ford was there both days. Brit Lightning was there both days. Hirsch Gardner was there both days. Uh, Slaughter was there both days. Bisto Blanco was there on Saturday. Uh, so Friday night, the Talisman did a show kind of for the Diamond VIPs. So there was only maybe, I'm going to say about 100 of us. And the Talisman is the rock and roll residency, basically. So Ryan, Jeremy, Phil, and then Christopher Williams was there because yeah. uh, they hadn't gone on tour yet. So the four-piece did a bunch of Kiss songs. They uh, stayed off of all the double platinum stuff. All that stuff's on. The whole show's on my uh, Facebook feed if you want to see it. But, uh, you know, they did a great. I mean, they're doing Kiss songs. I mean, you can't go wrong, right? Those guys knock it out of the park every time. So there's no doubt about that. Saturday, I will tell you that Keith and Steve did an amazing job managing the lines for the photo ops, the autographs, because... We were set up right outside the hall. So if you remember, they had the room where they had all the podcasters last year. Then they had the room across the way where they were doing all the photo ops and blah, blah, blah. And then they had the room where they were doing all the shows, right? Yep. Well, this year, the room where the podcaster were was gone. The room where everybody was doing the photo ops and all that, that stayed the same. But all vendors were in the same room as where they played all the shows. So it was set up more like the Atlanticus Expo. So they didn't use the room across, and they didn't use the little room down at the end of the hall where they did all the photo ops last year. Correct. Uh, okay. 
Wow, that seems awful tight. Uh, it wasn't that tight, to be honest. And okay. that big room that had the vendors in it, since that was now the autograph room, it allowed you to have part of the line inside and part of the line outside. So the line's okay. not going all the way back to the restaurant. Okay. Right? So it kind of solved that issue. Yeah. And uh, it was easy for us because we were, like I said, right outside the main room. So we just waited till the line died down and got on at the end. <laughs> so That's we did cool. everything at the end. So. Keith and Steve did an amazing job managing all that. Like no drama at all. It's like, all right, we're taking numbers one through 50. All right. We're taking numbers 51 through hundred. Like there was announcements. There's no, I've been waiting in line for four and a half hours. There's none of that. Right. So they solved all those issues and they didn't have those issues last year. But like, if you remember Atlanta, it was forever in three days. Yeah. So yeah, they didn't have any of those issues. So Saturday, uh, so Jean Beauvoir was one of the celebrities there and he was there both days and he walks by on uh Saturday morning while we're setting up. So, you know, Joe's sitting next to me and I'm like, oh, Jean Beauvoir, big fan, love Crown of Thorns. Right. And he goes, oh, thank you. Thank you. And just walks on. I mean, no big deal. Right. Yeah. So then I got to go somewhere to get something. I think I had to go back to the room to get a cable or something. And I come back and Joe goes, all right, you're all set up. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you're going to interview Jean Beauvoir. You're a big fan, right? I'm like, dude, I like the crown of thorns. I don't know anything about Jean Beauvoir. <laughs> <laughs> so he set up, oh, well, you got to make it last 45 minutes. So I'm the one who interviews Jean Beauvoir on stage. Did you talk to him about plasmatics? <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of it, right? I, and I knew some of it, and I obviously he's written Kiss songs and that kind of stuff too. And he's done a bunch of stuff with the Ramones. I didn't know he was an actor. I did a little bit of research and. He's an actor and he's done a bunch of movie scores and that kind of stuff. That's how he's paying some of the bills. It was just, it was cool to get an opportunity to interview somebody on stage at the Kiss Indie Expo solo, you know, and having a little bit of time at least to research. Last year I did it with Lydia Chris, but me and Jody were supposed to do it together, but he bailed <laughs> last minute. <laughs> so at least this time I felt a little more prepared. But it was a great interview. I don't think that's up anywhere yet. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. And then that night, uh, Talisman played again. They had a bunch of people come up. So Brit Lightning did a song with them, who's a guitarist for Vixen now. Lita did a song with them. Slaughter did a song with them. And he played the Pink V, Vinny's Pink V. And dude, he ripped on that guitar. Yeah, Slaughter's a good guitar player, man. Slaughter can play. And I think nobody said out loud it was a message but i think he was maybe sending a message i don't know but you know i mean uh we won't go into a vinny rant he's canceled again which no surprised yeah. anybody but you know a lot of people don't know that mark slaughter he was in the stable of guitar players from mike varney and shrapnel records and if you know anything about Mike Varney and Shrapnel Records, I mean, he was responsible for all the early shredders back in the day. And Mark Slaughter was part of that, that stable. So, you know, uh, his connection with Mike Varney is what initially got him in the door uh, for Vinnie Vincent, my understanding. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. The, so the Talisman and, you know, a bunch of guests do a bunch of songs, all different kinds of songs. And then... Bisto Blanco tore up the place, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, they had people's jaws hit the floor because people don't know who Bisto Blanco is. They're great live. We saw them at the Monsters of Cruise pre-party. They were amazing. The energy, like I'm getting chills just telling you. The energy in that place. And some of the people that had never seen them after the show are just like that 20 year old jazzed after you saw your first couple of shows. If you remember back when, like that kind of jazzed. Yeah. They waited. So what they did was, which was really cool. And I think they do this all the time, actually after the show's over because Calico is still in her get up and the guys are still got the makeup on and stuff. They go to the merch table and what they have going on is anything you buy at the merch table, they will sign. If you buy just one thing, they'll sign all 80 things you brought, take pictures with you, whatever. Yeah. You just got to buy one thing, right? So they had a line of people, easily 100 deep, and they signed everything. They took every picture. There was no, like, this diva rock star BS that you get sometimes. None of that. Packed up and went to Canada and played the next night. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I could tell that from the, from the monsters of rock cruise. I mean, I, you know, I went over to the merch booth after they played the pre-party and took a picture with them and totally cool, totally awesome. And definitely very, very visual, hard to, hard to not watch them basically. Yeah. I tried just listening to their music and I'd never seen them live. And I was like, "Eh, it's okay. Once you've seen them live once, the music sounds way better because now you've got the live element in your head. Yeah. And now I can't stop listening to that second album. Like that second album rocks. I think they're getting ready to release a new one, aren't they? Yeah, it'll, it'll be out. Uh, well, it comes out tomorrow, technically. Yeah, awesome. So, um, and then Hirsch Gardner project played earlier in the day, which they were fine. They did a bunch of New England stuff. Oh, and I got to tell you a funny story about Tommy. So, Tommy did that bumper for us. Right. So, he's trying to do the bumper, and there's all this noise in the background. Tries to do it again. Still all this noise. <laughs> he tells everybody, shut up. I'm trying to record something. And then that's why the recording was so clear because everybody, you can hear a pin drop after he told everybody, shut up. (laughs) And the bumper we're talking about is right here. Hey, it's Tommy Thayer with Kiss. You're hanging with the Growing Up Rock podcast with Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. 
get your popcorn ready and crank it up. So the next day, um, you had opportunity to take a picture with Tommy and uh, Bruce together. You can have them sign stuff. Bruce signed a bunch of stuff. You can buy autographs, pictures, all that stuff. Uh, Bruce, nicest guy ever, no doubt, always has been. And they did a bunch of autographs and blah, blah, blah. We had talked to uh, the guy who was kind of running the show there. Uh, his name is Davy Jones. And he, you know, doesn't run the board, but he kind of runs the operation, I guess, is the best way to put it, right? Keith and Steve set up the whole thing, but this guy's got to run whatever's going on live, get everything changed out. He's kind of part roadie, part road manager, part sound guy. It's kind of like that guy. So after the Jean Beauvoir interview had told Joe, hey, uh, I'm going to put you guys on the list to interview Tommy tomorrow. So, you know, Joe was wired up, ready to go. The next day we find out, okay, we're going to be interviewing Tommy. Great. Supposed to happen like 2.30-ish. About a half hour beforehand, we find out Bruce is going to join him. (laughs) And I think the nerves kind of hit the next level, right? So I was going to, Joe, just go do it yourself. I'll work the mic in the crowd. You don't need both of us up there for Tommy. But then the minute we found out Bruce was going to be there too, it's like, all right, Joe didn't want to be outnumbered. And he saw it as an opportunity for something, you know, for us to do it together, right? right? So so we went and interviewed Bruce Kulick and Tommy Thayer. And even Nicole's like, oh, I'm watching this thing on TV or on YouTube, on Facebook, on your Facebook live page. And what are you doing on stage interviewing these two guys? I'm like, they asked me to. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, wow, that's really cool. Good for you guys, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I know it's yeah. like a dream come true for uh, Joe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it ended up, you know, the crowd had some great questions. So that came off without a hitch. And then uh, Hirsch Gardner played again uh, in the afternoon. And then Bruce and uh, John Karabi did a acoustic set for about uh, seven or eight songs. Cool. And then um, Bruce and his wife did a, a acoustic set for probably about four or five songs. Cool. And then that was the end of the expo. So great expo, yeah. uh, no ace, but still tons of people there. You know, people were happy being there. And, you know, the thing about the Kiss Expo, which, you know, you know you've attended these things is, man, it's like a huge family. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Right? Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, I was making a, making a joke. This guy comes up to us. Kiss fan, I don't know him. His wife and uh, his baby boy, I think, uh, very young uh, baby boy, uh, with him, right? And he's like excited as hell that he got this, you know, Kiss original record, first pressing, blah blah blah. Doesn't have kissing time, blah blah blah. And I got it for only three hundred and twenty bucks. I'm thinking to myself, wow, you spent 320 bucks on a record. I'm not saying I've never done anything like that, but it's like at the Kiss Expo, it just seems like normal operating procedure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just so odd. And his wife was totally supportive. I, you know, I'm not sure all wives with young kids would have been like, really? You spent 320 bucks on that? <laughs> yeah. No, no way. Not this kid. <laughs> 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 I, yeah, I mean, I had a good time last year. You know, I would have would have liked to have gone this year, but just wasn't in the in the cards. So yeah, that's good. I'm glad you so, and you and Joe got a little personal time. <laughs> I can't imagine people left there not happy. Like it, it was a great time. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, before we get out of here, because this is just a bonus episode, so we just wanted to catch up and share some of our. Uh, recent rock and roll show stories. I think both of us have done some recent appearance. I know that uh, I was on the Shout It Out Loud cast with our friends Tommy and Zeus. Uh, Those guys are a hoot, man. I mean, they really make me laugh. Uh, They're just fun to talk with. We uh, covered our favorite Kiss closing tracks, our five favorites and our five worst kiss closing tracks and uh the whole thing is just a uh, non-stop ball busting it seems like uh, uh just a really good time and i said it before i don't i don't know that the world needed another kiss podcast but the one thing that i'll say about these guys they're super entertaining they're super fun to listen to but they also cover some ridiculous kind of subjects 
I mean, the, the top five worst uh, kiss closers and top five best kiss closers. That's one thing. But uh, did you hear the episode where they put together their um, elder and uh, unmasked uh, live album? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're nuts. Just, you know, crazy stuff. And uh, you've been on that uh, that show as well. And then... Both of us were on the rock and or roll with BJ covering the 94 crew record. Uh, and that's been out for a few weeks. So if you haven't, if you haven't checked that out, go over to rock and or roll. He's doing a whole series of episodes on each one of the Motley crew records. And Sonny and I guested on the crew 94 because both of us love that and BJ not so much, but. Uh, he's wrong. So, <laughs> and then I got a chance to do another Je- Jeopardy episode with the Potter Than Hell guys. I'm sure it's probably out by now, and you're gonna have to tune in to see who won because I really struggled at the beginning, but you got to tune in to see who won. Yeah. So we're having fun. We're we're uh, out there shooting the shit with other podcasts and uh, giving you guys this bonus episode in the middle of it all. So check it out. You got anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Nope. Thanks for listening and thanks for all the feedback. That's it. You can find the Growing Up Rock podcast at all your favorite podcasting platforms, including Spotify and iTunes and Google Play and Tuned In and any other app that you might find. Spreaker. What else is there out there? Joe's Plumbing Platform. I'm sure there must be other podcast platforms. So go find us on your favorite and uh, check us out. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. We've got some good ones coming up, including our 100th episode. Don't want to miss that one. It's going to be a big one. All right. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. make sure you subscribe to our podcast growing up rock and leave us a review on itunes give us a like and leave us a comment on facebook at growing up rock it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.